0: Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast, TCC, a home for you. All right, welcome to Trinity, how's everybody doing this morning? All righty, I'm Pastor TJ, welcome to everybody online, it's good to have everybody with us today. Here as we get closer to the Christmas season, Christmas is coming at us, beloved, like a freight train, right? (laughs) Fa-la-la-la-la. <laughs> they are they're ready to go. How many of you are prepared for Christmas? Yeah. How many of you are already holiday partied out? Yeah. 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 I want to encourage you. Uh, again, we talked about this the last few weeks. Take time to enjoy what God is doing in the season. Um, and, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to fill you and allow him to use you. In this, in this difficult time, this is a tough time for some people. I want to encourage you too, Christmas Eve, if you don't have plans to go anywhere for Christmas Eve, join us at Trinity this Christmas Eve. Um, right now, our registrations are absolutely bananas. That means this, there's going to be a lot of people in this house on Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas Eve is a great opportunity For you to invite your friends, your neighbors, anybody that doesn't know who Christ is, I can promise you this, they will have never experienced a Christmas Eve service like this at all. It's an hour long. It's incredible. Get here quickly. The reason we've asked about registration is because uh, we just needed to know if we needed to open a third service. Right now, we're expecting about 1,000 people here Christmas Eve. So come. Bring your friends. Bring your neighbors. It'll be amazing. Um, so, Robin and I are in full holiday cheer as well. We've got all the parties we've been going to and stuff. Uh, we had a big uh, uh, elder uh, staff party last Sunday night, and uh, we had a white elephant gift exchange. How many of you know what those are? You know, yeah. So, there's no better place to find white elephant gifts, in my opinion, than the Goodwill. Some people's discarded trash becomes, you know, white elephant party treasure. It's amazing. So, Robin and I, we head to the Goodwill, and I love, you know, I want to be that guy in the Goodwill that finds that one thing that's worth like $17 million? I mean, you've all seen the TV shows and all the stuff, right? You know, you found this thing, and it's like, look, it's worth 17 million. I paid 50 cents for that, I wanna be that guy. So far, that has not happened to me. You'll know when that happens because you'll never see me again. Where'd Pastor T.J. go? He bought an island somewhere. So we're at the Goodwill trying to find these little gifts for the White Elephant Gift Exchange, and I got bored quickly. And when you go, for me, boredom moves into people watching. How many of you like to watch people? So as we were moving around, I I was drawn to this this, this couple, these two sisters, these African-American older ladies. They are probably in their 60s. And I was drawn to them because they were bickering. And it was absolutely hysterical. Uh, One girl was Helen. The other one was like, like Georgia or something like that. And Helen just wanted to go to the pretzel factory and just get out of Dodge but Georgia had serious shopping to do. So she like, come on, come on, Georgia, we gotta go. And Georgia's like, no, I'm not done shopping yet. So I was just bored, so I started to engage them in the middle of their, their discussions, and it was great. I, made, I let them know who I was, introduced myself, and we found ourselves at the checkout line at the Goodwill. Georgia and Helen were there, and then there was me, and then there was a line of like 72 people behind us because there was one cashier. They were adopting the Walmart policy of cashiering. You know what I'm talking about? So we're sitting there, and there she's brought in one thing. I don't know if I want this or not. Do you think I should take this to her sister? And Helen's like, for the love of Jesus, please, Georgia, just buy all the stuff. People don't like us. It's a quarter. Put it in the bag. So I'm talking, and I'm kind of egging them on, and Robin's like, can you just shut up, please? And there was a couple behind us that uh, you could tell that they were, they were getting kind of irritated because we were just there. And then as we're sitting there, you know, everything's fine, and I'm goofing around, and we're taking a little bit longer than we probably should. I looked at the lady. And she looked at me, her husband was like a curmudgeon, his hands kind of like this. I looked at her, and she smiled, and she started to sing Christmas songs. In the line, at the Goodwill, as loud as she could. You know, does it sound familiar? Singing. I'm singing. You sing the Christmas songs for, for loud forever. She starts singing, I start singing, and her husband goes, oh, and he just kind of walks off. And I'm like, this is incredible. You know why I knew it was going to be incredible? I was going to tell you about it. And, and there in front of me, the weirdest thing happened, I had in front of me this classic understanding. It's like the Grinch. How many of you have ever seen the Grinch that stole Christmas? I had somebody that embodied Christmas cheer. You know, she's singing the songs. And then I had her husband, the curmudgeon. I hope you're not here today or watching online. The curmudgeon that was like, this is stupid, and just kind of walked off. And again, it was just this incredible dichotomy. If you look at it, you see the story of the Grinch. The Grinch, and some of you, how many of you relate with the Grinch? One, two, three, four. Okay, there's a lot of you. Just put your hands down. This may be tougher than I thought today. Okay, here we go. You have the story of the Grinch, who doesn't like you know, Christmas, doesn't understand it, doesn't like people. And then you have, who's the hero of the story? Cindy Lou, Cindy Lou who, who embodies Christmas and her love of Christmas and understanding what it is helps to win the Grinch back to, to the side of love and good and all those great things. And here in front of me, I'm watching this thing unfold. And I realized something. When it comes to Christmas, when it comes to your faith, all these things, how you approach it is a pretty big deal. you know that 90% if you're going to win the battle or lose the battle has to do with your perception? How you see it, the posture that you come from it. Here in a store, I had two people coming from polar opposite directions. And each one of them, I could tell you, probably had an incredibly different experience and story when it came to that day. It reminds me again of... um, how we celebrate Christmas, even for us as believers. It's not enough for us, beloved, to know about the story of the birth of Christ and what it means, but you and I have to live it out. How we live out our faith begins with how we see our faith. How we live out the holidays. What they are to us has everything to do with perception. Some of you struggle with the holidays and you don't like the holidays because your perception is wrong. Drill down on what's important, it's the birth of Christ, it's who he is. Don't lose sight of what's really important this time of year. So over the last few weeks, we've been taking a journey together, remembering what the birth of Christ meant to our planet what it means to us. We started with hope and how hope is important to us and how we can get it back if we've lost it. We talked about how the church, we're the keepers of hope. We don't lose our minds, we continue to point people to better, people, to better days, to better things, to Christ. And then we looked at peace, We looked at how peace is a byproduct of having God in our hearts and our minds and having those things rooted in Christ. Peace is in any, not an outy. Last week, we looked at the power of joy and how when we see things from God's perspective, we have joy. We also looked at when you live your life from God's presence, you can experience the fullness of joy in every situation. Today, we take another step and we take a deep look at why Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? Of all the things that the God of the universe could be doing, he decided to come and to be with you and I, Emmanuel, you know, God with us. Why did he come? One word, love. He loved you. He loved you so much. He wanted to be with you. That's why John 3.16 is such a powerful verse. All of us know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came for us because he loves us. He wanted to bring us back to him. We were separated from him. God said, "Now I love them too much. I need to go get them. So we know why in our head Jesus came because he loved us. But practically, what does that mean for us? What does it mean that Jesus came and he loved us so much that he couldn't live the rest of eternity without us? You see, it's one thing for us, beloved, to have head knowledge about love. But how do you experience great love? I mean, how do you get it? What does it practically look like for us in the life of a believer? If you got your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. This is where I'm going to live today. If you got our app, uh, you click on uh, our app and you get all my notes. If you're on the you version of the Bible, look for live events, look for Trinity, you get all my notes. I'm sweating today, don't know why. Perhaps it's the 17 cookies I've been eating. Nah, it can't be that. 1 John 4, 7, this is going to be our launch verse for today. 7 through 11 says this, those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. Verse 8, the one who doesn't love is yet to know God for God is love. Verse 9, the light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, this is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing, sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Verse 11, delightfully loved ones. If he loves us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. What a beautiful passage. What a great verse. So what can we gather from this portion of Scripture that you and I need to embody in order for us to experience the love of God, what he came to give us? First is this. You and I, we need to discover love. We have to discover what love is. Now, this is huge for us as believers because of this simple statement. You can't give away what you don't have. Why do we struggle to love people in the world? Why does the church struggle to love people? You know why we struggle? Because we don't have it. You pass along what you know. You pass along what you have. If you don't have love, you can't give it away. Look at 1 John 4, 7 again. 7 and 8 says this, those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God for God is love. Pretty plain, isn't it? You can't give away what you don't have. Now, what's interesting here is this. This Greek word, no, is ginsenko, which actually means this. The knowledge that comes from experiencing something in an intimate and in a personal way. This is not book knowledge. This isn't knowledge from a story of somebody else. This is your hands-on experience. That's what this is talking about. You experience something, you taste it, you touch it, you smell it, and from that, You make a decision, and and you you get to know something. This is real life experience when it comes to knowledge, not just book theory. Now there's a difference between knowing something and someone, and then having an intimate knowledge of who that person is, what that person is. Um, This is my buddy, you can go to the next slide. This is my buddy, uh, his name is Mitch. You can hit the next slide, there we go. Uh, Mitch, I, I have this affinity to kinda hang out with big guys that know how to cook. Don't know why, just, I've always had this thing, if there's a big guy who knows how to cook, get to know that guy. He's a good guy. Uh, Mitch, uh, his wife was a pastor at our town in, uh, in Wausau, and he had this thing, uh, he had this taco trailer kind of thing. So we got together, we started to hang out, he was a good guy, we, we'd go out for uh, lunch in different places. So one day he says, hey man, he goes, have you ever had have you ever had pho? Now I know it looks like it's pronounced pho, did I do that right, Christy, did, did I do that right? You how many of you ever had, you've had pho? They called "fa" where we were at. And I said, he said, you, you want to get some of that? I said, no, no, I don't like that. He said, well, you don't like it? I said, yeah. I said, I don't like it. He said, what don't you like about it? I said, well, I've never really had it. He said, well, how can you know if you don't like it if you've never had it? I said, well, well somebody I know, a good friend of mine says he doesn't like it, so I don't like it. He says, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. He said, you've never tasted it, but you don't like it. I yeah, said, get in the car, we're going to get, we're going to get pho. He goes, pho. He goes, you mean pho? He goes, no, it's called pho. He says, don't call it pho, you embarrass me. I said, okay. So we, got, we get in the car, we go to this place. How many of you have had this before? So we sit down, they give you a bowl of stuff. He ordered everything for me. I had like you know, beef and meat and stuff in there. And then they bring you this additional plate with uh, things that it looks like you would find in the backyard, you know? <laughs> vegetables and things like that. And then you you put it in there. He said, you do everything that I do, you're going to love this. So he put a little basil in, I put a little basil in. He put some bean sprouts in, I put some bean sprouts in. He sprayed some stuff in there from all these different spices. I did everything he did. And, you know, it was the moment of truth. I picked up the spoon and I brought it to my lips. And the heavens, I'm going to get a little emotional about this. The heavens parted. I saw angels coming up and down, bringing more foe. It was amazing. And I sucked it down, and it was a, I, I was sweating like I am now. I was sweating. It was great. And it was like the perfect food. It was a cold winter day. It was the perfect food. And it was, it was amazing. And he just looked at me like, you know, he had done something great, and he did. He introduced me to something. And I realized that day I would have gone my entire life without realizing how amazing this food is, if it wasn't for my friend Mitch, who pushed me to experience it for myself. Sometimes, beloved, we make decisions and we make these things in our head over things that we've never experienced just because of what people have told us. And what happens is this. Sometimes, beloved, we pass along things that we've never truly experienced. We just pass along things on hearsay. Now, unfortunately, we do this with our faith. Some of you have already made judgments. Oh, oh, this could get tough. Everybody say Pastor TJ. Say we love you because Jesus said we had to. Sometimes we make make judgments on people, churches, people that may write books and be on TV, and we've never experienced them. I don't throw bricks and stuff like that. I don't. I I mean, I I don't. I think the Bible's clear about that stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. We defend the faith. We look for all the things of the faith. But be careful to try to not be an expert on things that you don't understand. This is also why I get very careful on what I put on the Facebook just because somebody forwarded to you, this is going to sound crazy. Not everything you see in the internet is real. Did you know this? I get crazy stuff all the time, Pastor. I know this is real. I don't think this is real. I don't, the aliens may be here. I don't know. I don't know about no spaceship. I mean, you guys don't understand my position. Trust me on this. Be careful. Pass along what you know. Be careful when it comes to your faith, too, beloved. Pass along what you've experienced. Sometimes we struggle to pass along who Christ really is, because we don't really intimately know him ourselves. Again, you can't pass along to others what you don't possess. Sometimes we confuse knowing God with knowing religion. All of us have had experiences with that. You know you know my story. I grew up in Orthodoxy. All of us, I could tell you you know, from an orthodox perspective, all about our services and all about that stuff, but I did not know the person of who Christ was. I could tell you about him, but I really didn't know him. You know, Jesus, when we take that approach, he becomes this team we associate with, like the Eagles or the Steelers, instead of a person that we really know. God wants to be known. He is Emmanuel, God with us. That's what we pass along. I remember I was, in the, I was in Wisconsin, and I was working out at the YMC. had a Y membership, and you go there you know, every day, and you start to get to know these guys that are there. And I'm there, and there was an older guy that was next to me, and we started talking one day. He saw I had a bag, and I had in my bag a cup that said Thrive Church. That was the name of our church. He goes, hey, Thrive Church. I said, yeah. He said, that's my church. I said, that's great. I said, that's my church too. He says, I love that church. I said, so do I. It's a great church. He says, yeah. He says, "Uh, you know, it's it's great. He goes, goes, I heard that they got a new guy. You know, I've been there two years already. He said, I heard they got a new guy. I said, yeah. I said, "I, I heard that too. You know, a preacher guy. I said, yeah. He said, what have you heard? I said, I heard he's amazing. Phenomenal. Good looking guy. Ruggedly handsome. Yeah, I didn't hear all that. I said, trust me, he is. And we're talking and talking. He goes, well, that'd be great because I got to meet that guy. And I looked at him and I said, you just did. I'm the new guy. He goes, yeah, it's my church. I said, I don't think so. I've never seen you in my life at our church. He goes, well, it's been a while. I said, yeah. But we're his church. We're pro- He's on the team. He's my guy. He's my guy. <laughs> exactly, right? But he didn't know us. It's one thing to know about something. It's another thing to know somebody intimately. Now, good story with that. I think because of of his embarrassment, he started coming to church. And I look at him and say, that's my guy, right? (laughs) So here's the big question today. Do you really know God or do you know about him? Do you really know Christ or do you know about him? Do you know the living God? Does Does his heart beat in your chest? That's the million dollar question. Beloved, religion will fade. Religion breaks down. Religion is man mades our best attempt to reach God. Jesus did not come to give us religion. He came to bring us a deep relationship. Do you know him? This is what Jeremiah 9.23 says. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast, you should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice to the righteous, to the earth, and uh, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. I love that. They truly know me, and they understand that I'm the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love. Have you discovered Christ for yourself? Not the faith of your grandmother, not the faith of your mom or your dad, but have you discovered for yourself Christ in an intimate and in a powerful way? If you haven't, i got great news for you. You can. He's here and he wants to know you. Maybe you've known God in the past and maybe you drifted. Maybe life has gotten really complex and you've kind of just lost your way. None of that matters. All that matters is this. God's heart for you has not changed. He loves you and he wants to be with you intimately. John 17.3 says this. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God. It's not just knowledge. Let me read that again. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God. And to know and experience Jesus Christ as the son of whom you sent. You have to know him. Take time to discover him today. If you've drifted, get to know him again. If you've never known him in an intimate way, this is your day, beloved. It's your day. Today's the day to come back home. We're just going to take a pause. You shut your eyes for a second. Just right now, in your own way, in your own words, just pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Pray to God. Say, Lord, I need you right now. Help me to discover, to know you intimately. I want to know who you are. Again, the Holy Spirit speaks to you just like he speaks to me. Sometimes we think when it comes to our faith that there's this big intergalactic thing that has to happen in order for us to follow Christ. This is what Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. Today, if you've never made that decision, you've never openly declared that Jesus is Lord. You've never received him in your heart. This is your opportunity to do that. So right now in your own words, just cry out to him. Say, Lord, today I believe that you're the son of God. Today I declare that I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. I believe that you're the risen Savior and I want to orient my life around you. Just pray that to him right now. Part of the path of discovering love. So do me a favor. You all can open your eyes. I've lost half of you. If you prayed that and you have a desire to know Jesus in a deeper way, when we get done today, come see me. Come see somebody up here. And we're going to help you on your journey. Today was not the end. It's not the destination. Today is the beginning. Discover love. If you kind of lost touch with that first love, you've lost your first love, get it back again today. Today we start again. So it starts with discovering love. So once you find it and you taste real love for yourself, then you move to the next step, which is delivering love. You can't give away, you can't pass along what you don't possess. God gave you the gift of love, his love, eternal love, unconditional love for a reason. This is not just for you to keep you warm at night and just to huggle-buggle, just you you and his love. That's part of it. But he gives us a, this incredible love, not to just keep it to ourselves, but to pass it along. That's why he brought us close, so that we could share this love with everybody that we meet. Look at the passage again. This is First John. Look at verse 4:10. It says this: "This is love. He loved us long before we loved him, and it was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Verse 11, delightfully loved ones, if he loves us with such a tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. I love that. Isn't that a powerful little piece of that verse? It's God's heart that loving each other should become a way of life. Now, loving others, you know, sometimes, you know, it's not easy. But as believers, loving others shouldn't be something that we need to conjure up or manufacture. It's something that's designed to flow naturally in the life of every fully devoted follower of Christ. I love how verse 7 puts it. It says this, those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. His love pours into us and then it pours from us into others. Seems pretty easy peasy, right? God gives us a level. We pass it along, right? Well, if it's so easy, why do we struggle to love each other? We struggle to love each other on the planet. We struggle to love each other in our town. We struggle to love each other in our nation. We struggle to love each other in our church. We struggle to love each other even in our families. How many of you are going to be having dinner with somebody in the next week or so that isn't number one on your love list? Don't put your hands down. (laughs) Don't, don't, because they could figure that out. She, it's me. She, it's me. And once all husbands are like, see, I told you. Mabel's terrible, right? We can't even love each other in our own families. If it's so easy, why can't we do this? Again, beloved, um, love is tough. And unfortunately, you know, the enemy knows exactly how to take us out. He knows how to hit us, man. We have a tendency to love others. The way that we experience love for ourselves. Do you know that? Sometimes we, uh, we have received a flawed version of love. What does the enemy do? You know what the enemy does? He comes in and he twists things. He twists love. He twists our relational connections. He twists things in our faith that move from things, you know, us loving others and caring for others, and then he twists things so it becomes more important for us to think of ourselves first, even though that's the incredible, that's the opposite part of the gospel. The enemy loves to twist and he loves to change things. And then we pass along sometimes flawed versions of love that we don't understand. You don't understand because that's the only thing that you know. You know, for example, I I heard this story years ago. Um, A young couple was... uh, getting ready to uh, do their Christmas dinner and they bought a ham and they didn't know how to prepare their ham. So the, you know, they called their mom. They said, mom, you got to tell us how to, do, how to do this ham. We got the ham. She goes, okay. She goes, the first thing you do is you take the ham and you cut off the end of the ham and you put it in a pan and then you cook it and everything's done. And the, the inquiring young couple said, well, why do you cut off the, the, that, that end of the ham? And the mom said, well, I, I don't know. That's what grandma always did. That's what she did. So she goes, no, I'll find out. So the mom called the grandma and says, Grandma, goes, Mom, how, why do we cut off? Why do you cut off the end of the ham? And she goes, Why? I don't know. That's what my mom did. So I just, that's what she did. It's what I always try to do. So I just, what do you do? She goes, You know what? Then they had the one great grandma. She goes, I'm going to call my mother and find out why you cut off the end of the ham. So she called her up and says, says Mom, why do you cut off the end of the ham? What, what does that do for the ham? She goes, she, she laughed. She goes, Sweetheart, it does nothing. I cut off the end of the ham because the ham didn't fit in the pan. Couldn't get the whole thing in there, so he had to cut it off. There's no culinary thing just couldn't do it. And you pass it along from generation to generation to generation. One of the things I love about Christ is he heals and he redeems. He even redeems and he heals our understanding of what love is if you let him. One of the powers of the church is this. God has given us a family. Look around. A big, happy, dysfunctional family. Fa-la-la-la-la, la-la-la-la, right? And you know why he's done that? He's given us each other. You know why? To help us figure this out together. Redeeming love. Redeeming relationships. Redeeming families. He'll do it if you let him. He'll do it if you trust him. See, this is where the enemy gets sneaky. He understands this. If you can base your love, what your understanding of love is, by how people treat you, if you can base your understanding and your worth of love on how you are loved by other people, instead of how God loves you, then the enemy wins, why? Because nobody on the planet can love you the way Christ designed you to be loved. Only he can. Our very best isn't enough. It's just not. Only God can love you so completely that you're so full that that love that he gives you pours over you and pours into other people's lives. So if you're struggling today to love others well, it may be because you're struggling to receive love. Maybe you're struggling to receive it and and understand God's love for you. You see, the enemy does whatever he can to keep you from receiving the love of God. If he can block God's love poured to you, he can stop the love of God that's supposed to come from you into other people. Then what do we do? You know what we do? Then we pass on lesser versions of God's love, cheap copies, cheap imitations. I'm afraid, you, you remember the old days when you had copy machines? I mean, real copy machines, not the printer copy machines, the real ones. How many of you remember back in, in, in grade school, you remember the, what was it, the lithograph machines? Mimeograph, you, you remember the smell? Be, you wanted to smell, but you were careful because you didn't want to get all the ink on your face, right? And you remember if you're making copies, every time you made a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, what would happen? It got, got worse. You got lesser versions of the copy. Sometimes in church, beloved, we pass along copies of the copy instead of going right to the source. We pass along what God tells us. We need more voices and less echoes. You know what that means? Hear God for yourself. Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice. How many of you consider yourself a a sheep? By the way, for those of you that are looking for holiday meal ideas, lamb is delicious. (laughs) It is. And they're cute, but they're delicious. (laughs) Hear God's voice. You You don't need a podcast all the time. You don't need to, I mean, open your Bible, let the Holy Spirit lead you into all truth, and be a voice, not an echo. You can do it. I believe in you. So we have these lesser versions. Um, Robin and I, we got to serve in Florida. I went to school at Southeastern University in Florida. And then we, we served in Florida at this, this really cool church called Grace World Outreach in Brooksville, Florida. Now, when you think of Florida, what do you think of? You think of like, you know, you know oranges, sunshine beaches, and sometimes you think of amusement parks. How many of you have ever been to Disney? You know, or Universal, those places. So, in, in Toby's not been to Disney yet. It's his 18th birthday today, by the way. So, as, as a parent, getting you to Disney, we failed. Let's move along. Okay. So, when you go to Disney, you go to all these, these things. Well, in Brooksville, Florida, where the church was at, we had this, this lesser attraction thing like a roadside little zoo amusement park called Boyett's Grove Attraction. Now, this, my friends, was, was the, the, I don't know the words to describe it. It was the worst roadside attraction I have ever encountered in my life. By chance, has anybody ever been there? Have you been there? Now, I went, this is the early 90s. In the early 90s, it was like, kind of like a zoo, a gift shop, Something, I think they were trying to be like Gatorland, they failed miserably, it was terrible. I remember the first time we went, they had an alligator in a cage, sitting right there, just just sitting there. Next to the alligator, I'm not making this up, they had the cat exhibit. We're not talking large cats, we're talking common house cats. And I remember there were kittens running around and half the kittens didn't have tails. And I asked the guy, I said, why don't these kittens have tails? He goes, well, every once in a while, a kitten get a little bit too close to the gator and right on the tail it goes. I said, but what happens to the ones that aren't fast enough at all? He goes, well, the food bill that month's a little less. Exactly. I'm not making this up. They also had a llama, a spitting llama. I remember my mother was there, courted, the llama corner was spitting. She's going, ah! This is what they had at the attraction. I think we paid like five bucks to do this. They had a parrot in a cage. That was just anxious and angry. You'd walk past it, it would kind of go like this and want to, like, you know, I covered my eyes, they didn't want to get my eyes. They had a monkey, one monkey in a cage that they, there's a little sign that said, be careful because the monkey likes to throw poo. (laughs) I paid money for this experience. I did. This is the whole thing. And then you would go into the gift shop, which was like the worst. I think, is there a picture? You go to the next slide. Is there? Is the gift shop, did we already do the next one? Oh, well, there's the gift shop, look at that thing. Now this is a modern picture of the gift shop. This is what it looked like in 91. Can you imagine what it looked like? And in this gift shop was like the worst stuff that you could probably just incredibly imagine. So I remember going there thinking, wow, we did not just go to Disneyland. You know, we did not just go to Epcot, we did not just go, we went to this little, little side attraction. Um, it was a much lesser version of fun. A cheap imitation wasn't the real deal. When you try to pass on divine love that is void of the Spirit, when you try to pass on divine love, you know, that is not what you've been given, when you try to pass on this lesser form of church love, but that's not divine love, it comes across like that. It's cheap, it's junky, and there's no power, there's no life. We have a lot of churches around, beloved, that have no power. Why? Because we're passing along imitations. We veer from the word. We veer from helping the poor. We veer from being anything that the church was supposed to be. Power and passion to help people move from where they are to where God created them to be. When we, when we approach religion and, and, and the world like that, we pass along these little sideshow, roadside attraction forms of God's love. And that's just not his heart. The truth is this. God's love is deeper and stronger than anything you and I could possibly imagine. God's love is not cheap or fickle. It's powerful and supernatural. How many of you here today, you're sitting here because God's love changed and transformed your life? How many of you honestly... If God didn't come and and hit you like a freight train, you don't even know if you'd be alive today because of the path that you were on. If God did that for us, why on earth would we not want to share that good news with other people? That's why the Bible says this. In the last days, the enemy is defeated by two things, the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony of the saints. Your story, your story is powerful. Share it. Speak it out. That's why the enemy does what he can to keep your mouth shut. Don't pass along lesser forms of love. This is what Romans eight thirty eight says about love. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what Ephesians 3, 16 through 19 says. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited richness of his glory and favor until supernatural strength flood your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. I love that verse alone. It's worth the price of admission, but it keeps going. Verse 17. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you, and the resting place of His love will become the very source and root of your life. The source and the root, His love. It says, Then you'll be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences the great, the great magnitude of His astonishing love in Christ in all of its dimensions, how deeply intimate. And far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. That is the power of divine love that flows from God into us. This is the love that we experience for ourselves. This is the love that we deliver to others. The question is this. Why would you wanna pass along a lesser version of love? The lesser versions of love don't have the power to change and transform us, they don't. When we understand this and it gets into our souls, then verses like John 13, 34 make sense. So I give you a new commandment, love each other as much as I've loved you. This is why at Trinity we do our very best to love people the way that God does. We again at Trinity, we have our big three. We love God and people. Extravagantly. How? Extravagantly. extravagantly. We love God and people extravagantly. We're committed to growing our faith and helping others to grow. And we're committed to sharing our lives and our stories, our faith with other people. All of this builds together. All of this pushes us toward our core mission. To see this entire region filled with God's love, power, and presence, transformation. This is what I'm praying for for Christmas Eve radical transformation. Christmas Eve is the second highest attended church day of the year. Half of the people that'll be here on Christmas Eve don't know God in an intimate way. It's their time, it's their moment to experience extravagant love. So here's the question How are you doing in the love department? Do you know Him? Have you discovered who he is? Again, you can't pass along what you don't know. Have you settled for a lesser version of love? And are you sharing that love that's transformed you with the world around you? Bow your heads with me. So I asked you the questions that now you have an opportunity to ask the Holy Spirit. Right in the quiet of your seat, your seat. just ask him. Say, Holy Spirit, do I know you intimately? God, do I know you intimately? And listen to what he tells you. Again, he speaks to you just like he speaks to me. And then ask him this question. Lord, am I passing along a lesser version of your love, or am I giving everybody the real deal? And listen to what the Spirit tells you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.